The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles, and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Saria Bonnelly is a French figure skater who is also a three-time Olympian, a five-time European champion and a nine-time French national champion. She came second in the World Championships three times, but she is perhaps best remembered for being the first and only skater to land a backflip on one blade at the Olympic Games in 1998. She was adopted as a baby and became an icon, an inspiration, a pioneer. She's here at home in the USA with her dog, who may or may not make a few noises in the background during the interview. Hello there, how are you? Well, thank you, I'm doing good, and thank you for having me. So let's talk about the backflip straight away. Looking back now, it just seems like super iconic and incredible, but at the time it took a lot of bravery you know, actually, you know, it, it could have been interpreted as a bit of a self-destruct button in terms of, you know, the, the pure judging element to it in a, you know, figure skating manner. I think I appreciate more and I feel more proud of myself now today than years ago for when I did it. Because at first I was almost like between... Maybe I'm ashamed. Maybe I'm like, what did I do? Maybe I'm going to be hated forever. Nobody going to like me. So I guess you're going to really think I'm really a naughty girl. And, you know, I did something awful. And I'm like, you know, no, you know, I did. I'm not, I'm not that a rebel. You know, it just some kind of elements that I had in my, uh, with me. And I felt like, why not? I have to do it before somebody do it. Mostly is that. I would have just hate to hear like years later and hear somebody, oh, guess what? This guy from this country did a backflip and land on one foot. Do you remember that girl who did it years ago and too bad, never, you know, she never had a chance to do it. So at least I did it. Maybe people didn't really like it, but at least they still have the memory of me doing it. So I think as a pioneer, I think it's the most important to be able to, to say that. Yeah, a pioneer, most definitely. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your early life as well. You, you've you called it different uh, before in your TED talk, I think it was. Um, can you explain why your childhood and growing up was a bit different? My parents make me uh, raise me very, uh, in a way that they want, when I was really young, 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 uh, different because they want to be in a way uh, kind of peace and cool, love, green peace, to be green, a fresh, you know, they bought a house in a countryside and they want to live 100% self-efficient, do everything, you know, have her own garden, grow everything, you know, from zero organic and uh, we didn't have running water so we had to go to the spring to get water and the, yeah and if you want to have a hot water well I guess you have to boil the water and put the water on the oven on a stove on a fireplace to you know warmed up so thing like that and uh, it was uh, you know such an amazing experience because when you're kids everything is cool you learn new things and and especially when you don't know anything else I think you think that is a 
It's awesome. And I didn't miss anything. And we didn't have any something electricity, so we had to have either a generator or even like regular like um, a, a solar panel to have a, you know lights and electricity. So all those things, I think, kind of like get my life in a way different and brought me stronger, learn how to use everything on my own and be grateful for what we have. And um, and I think definitely, you know, I got a really good life when I was a kid and I think it made me strong for the rest of my life, I think. And, you know, like we didn't have electricity, so obviously we didn't have TV, watch TV on a daily basis. So my first TV, what we really had, it was a big investment and a big sacrifice. It's like buying a TV for the 1984 Olympic Games. Just for that event, you know, it was a big thing. It was like, okay, well, you know, they, my parents knew that I was starting skating and I love the sport. So they decided to buy a color TV. That was a big thing, a color TV. And I was like, wow, the Olympics are on. So, you know, the solar panels are, are ready to burn for like two weeks and we need to make it work because we want to watch figure skating, you know. And so it was a, something special. And after that, I think we turned off the antenna and we put it back and we didn't use it, but it was something just for the Olympic Games. And uh, yeah, I think it's something that I will remember for the rest of my life because somehow uh, the Olympic Games was for, for my family something big. My mom, because she loved uh, sports and she had a background of being a, you know, a, a teacher, a sports coach. And uh, for her, she loved it and it was a passion. So she said, yes, we're going to watch the Olympics. And uh, for sure, um, Katarina Witz, you know, to uh, Todd, uh, uh, Scott Hamilton, you know, all those people were like amazing. Op keep our eyes open and wide open to watch all those amazing skaters. And I think even Tiffany Chin was there, I believe. And uh, it was fun. I mean, it was exciting. I remember like it was yesterday. And plus it was in Sarajevo. I don't know why. I don't know. It was just something amazing and unforgettable. Because after we watch Olympics, but, you know, when you're more into the sport, it's not the same. But at this time, I was a little tiny peanuts. And it, it was the event of the year, you know. I think uh, one way it's, it, it's different as well is that, Often there is this narrative of adoption being this, you know, kind of scary thing that, you know, uh, or, you know, maybe people have watched movies and it's like they're from an orphanage and, you know, like scooped up in the middle of the night or whatever. And so to have kind of a huge success story, you know, where it's quite a simple life that you've lived, you know, with your parents is, I suppose that is different to what or at least it's against some people's expectations anyway. You know, back in the days, you know, when you adopt a kid, it was very special. You know, not everybody just get adopted. It was, you know, now in these days, many people just say, oh, I have kids. Oh, I want to adopt a kid. Let's do it. You know, but back in the days, 
it was very unusual. And if you do that, you know, obviously there are some people who look at you like you're like, weird, why you do that? Why you take this decision? You know, so it was even coming from my family, you know, my, you know, uh, I think the grandparents or whatever, they were like, why you adopt kids? And my parents were like, okay, we want to change life. We want to be different. We want to make a difference in our life and, and somebody's life. So, you know, also because they did a lot of traveling. They travel around, you know, Middle East. They went to uh, India, driving by car from all the way from Nice by car or or little truck that they had at the moment. And uh, they drove all the way and make like almost 20,000 kilometers over summer and try to go all over and do the best sightseeing, never go to the hotel. So it was their thing. For them, back then, it was a paradise and a good dream trip to travel and on their own. And one time with a dog, as a bodyguard, I guess, or security, they had a Doberman. So to keep them secure, and they travel everywhere. And, you know, when you travel like that, it's keep you out of your comfort zone. And you learn things, and you learn about different cultures, and that's why they really love going to those countries. And they felt that, you know, those poor kids were like so much all over. And people say, oh, please, you can have my kid if you want. We give, you know, to have better life. And my parents say, we can just just take your kids. You know, we need to have special paperwork, you know, to be legal adopted parents. So that's why they did. So when they went back to France, they felt that, you know what, we should be like, try to... You know, we should try to think to adopt a kid, but, you know, have the paperwork, go through the city hall and all that, make sure it's really all legal. And uh, that's what they did. And somehow they got me. They were thinking to really have a kid from over there, from Afghanistan or from India. That was really the dream. But somehow the adoption center calls them and say, hey, guess what? You know, now you're fit to be a parent. We have someone here, ready here, you wanted, and they had pretty much 24 hours to say yes or no. And they were like, uh, we were supposed to travel. And they're like, and obviously it's not like, it's a huge decision to make. 24 hours, you have to say yes or no. So, and I think they got a call and my dad was at work and he called my mom and said, hey, we need to talk. We have a situation. And yeah, it was like that. So, so yeah, so for sure for my whole family years, they were like, in kind of shocked, probably. I know my grandma, all that. They were like, okay, what just happened? And my parents had a strong will. And, they, and I don't know, they see the, their life difference. And so they did. It's quite a brave decision to adopt any any child. But I think it's a especially uh, brave decision to um, take on that responsibility um, of someone from a different background completely culturally and uh i i wonder how did that affect you and your identity when you were when you were growing up because i guess you know in stark terms you know at that point there wasn't as much immigration and i just don't think i mean maybe i'm wrong but i I, were were there many people who were you know black in nice at that time 
No, not that much. You know, back in the days, Nice uh, was nice, pretty, uh, you know, very nice and met- metropolitan, you know, country or city, but it didn't have much, you know, especially in the 70s, it was still early, you know, it's not compared to today's when you go everywhere, you see people of different colors, different ethnicity, but back in the days, it was, you know, very unusual. And uh, yeah, my parents were really gutsy to be able to say, okay, well, we want to adopt and after also to adopt the kids of color. So it was like double, especially, you know, uh, people back in the days, you know, they were very, uh, they had a narrow mind and, you know, they didn't really think that it was possible to, you know, you know, just different ideas and they didn't really get it. And, uh, but somehow I grew up just, you know, surrounded with white people and I was okay. Obviously I knew there was something different. Some, I was like, okay, you know, some, sometimes you say, why, but why, why, why? I'm like, I didn't ever even question. Obviously I knew it was like very different, but I was cool with that and I was happy and I already been a happy kid and, and, uh, and I was blessed to have parents who, you know, took me under their wings and helped me to grow up, uh, you know, and uh, and give me a good education. So let's fast forward to the early 90s. Uh, what a time. A lot of hairspray. You know, how did the 1992 Olympics feel for you at the time? Well, you know, Olympic Games is such a huge event and it's like a world, world, world renowned. And people know what's going on for two weeks. They like reach out and go and reach to their TV and just watch it. So you feel the pressure of like from the whole universe pretty much because there's people who don't really... Uh, you know, skating fan, but just because the Olympic Games, you know, in February, they just watch TV all day long and just try to catch up with all the events and they think it's cool to do that. Interest to see, you know, all those different sports that you don't usually see on a, because, you know, if you like one sport, you just go watch one competition and that's it. Well, Olympic Games, every day you serve with, you know, bobsleigh, luge, hockey, you know, things that you like, you never seen. And so it's like every four years, you kind of like, get an education anyway you watch and if you're passionate about sport i think it's just like a festival of sport because 24 hours there is something to watch on tv and that's awesome and the olympics having my olympics games in france was like whoa the pressure was amazing pressure was uh stressful we can say i can deny you know when you have the olympic games in your own country ouch that is definitely something because Everyone is a big fan of it. Everyone give you extra pressure. Even your uh, uh, the mailman, you know, the guy who drop your mail at the house, he's like, hey, you're doing the right things. Good luck. I'm going to watch it. Like, Thank you. Thank you. You go anywhere. Everybody's like, yes. So there's extra pressure. And it's amazing that people are so in, into that. They all want to become volunteer because they want to be a part of this big party. And um, it is uh, amazing to be able to see so many people in, you know, just doing the Olympic game, uh, the Olympic ceremony of uh, opening ceremonies, just huge, you know. 
to be able to see for four hours or more. You don't even know it goes for four hours, but to see all those countries, those flags passing by with those, you know, shows and dances and numbers that's been choreographed and organized for years prior and walking in front and do the whole rounds in front of those people who watch seating, sometimes like 60,000 people. I mean, it's freaky. I mean, I never see it. Like, where you go somewhere with 60,000 ever? I mean, unless you're like a big celebrity, like, you know, Michael Jackson or somewhere, or like, or the, um, the, you know, the Super Bowl. But otherwise, almost never you get to see so much people. And that was just like the best part, one of the, the best part of the Olympic Games. Opening ceremony and the closing is just like a big wow. You know, just that it's like you have to do this once in your lifetime. And I was able to do this three times. So that was just like, wow. The outfits, the outfits, incredible. Um, and you were dressed once, and well, I remember famously you were dressed in Christian Lacroix. Yeah, I mean, you know, this designer, even though fashion is like extremely um, superficial, this designer, designer, Christian Lacroix, was like so nice person, a nice human being, a nice person to talk and to relate it. And he had patience to just talk to you and feel, you know, okay, have a connection. It's not many people that have time to just have this very important connection because they're always busy or because their life is too fancy that have no time to, you know, very superficial. Oh, hi, where are you going to go? You know, very, very nice person and spend hours on my dress and find what I like, what will make me feel comfortable. And he give his ideas and we were like right on, you know, the same opinion and the same, you know, vision. And this guy was amazing, and still, until his days, I mean, all those collections that he had for so many years, to be so creative and so original all the time, and in a way, like a real human being that you just want to meet, just like that, you know, like a next next door neighbor. So yeah, it, I was, it was a big chance for me to do that and a big opportunity because, you know, sports and fashion, all that doesn't really mix up really well or don't even do it because I guess we're two different worlds. So if you want to be fancy, you do that, you know, off ice usually, but you don't do it all together. So, so we were lucky because of the Olympic Games, it was a such big, huge opportunity to be able to you know, to have some kind of a sponsorship and in a way this uh, union so we can mix figure skating, Olympics. France is a country of fashion anyway, so the best you know, uh, fashion country, uh, you know, statement that you can say because France is huge. And, uh, and because we had Olympic Games in France. So at this point, we're like, hey, let's go for it. And, and we felt he was the best, you know, suited for us. So. Yeah. Where is it now? Do you still have it? Yeah, actually, I have it uh, in, a, in a safe because, because, you know, it's so special. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because once in a while, uh, you know, some uh, I have to bring it to a museum. People say, oh, we, we need for a museum to different places. So it's there in case ready to, you know, when people need to borrow for months or six months at a time to different places. And I know last time it was in a French, uh, in France, in a in Nice actually in a museum sports museum and they need it so you know they had it so you know so you kind of travel different places and 
And yeah, and it's nice to kind of, it's kind of a throwback sometimes when I show it or when I bring it, people say, oh, wow, back to back in 92. That's long ago, but... So, and That's the good great. thing I still I can still fit in it, so I'm like even happier. I know, like last time I wear in 2014, and uh, I was like, oh my god, I do still fit in because I didn't wear from '92 until 2014. I never wear it. So I was still in my closet and whatever. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not touching it. So yeah, so it's even more surprising. Oh wow. That's uh, we've got to see a picture of that. That is that you've got to get in it and put that on Instagram. That would be I'd, I'd double tap that for a like. That sounds amazing. I love it. The 1992 Olympics, and there was a treat for everyone who liked the Olympics as well because two years later there was an Olympics in 1994. I think it's it's fair to say that. You know, you came fifth at the home Olympic Games and then, you know, the worst place in inverted commas that everyone, the fourth place in 1994. How do you mentally come back from from those disappointments? How did it feel to be, uh, you know, so close, but yet so far away from being on the podium? You never really, um, you know, get over it. I mean, even those many years after, I'm like, damn, I can't believe I finished fourth. But it is what it is. It's better than to finish last. It's good, you can say. And we say for that's a good quote for the Olympics, you know, we'll always say it's better to participate. You know, the most important is to participate in the Olympics. So I guess I did it. And in a way, yeah, no, fourth is really the worst number. But uh, I can say the best way is I'm not last. So I guess, yes, and I've initially top 10, so it's good. <laughs> I can say that. But, you know, I think it was somehow bad luck that I have as Olympics, maybe you can say, in a way, it's always something happened. Kind of like, you know, Kurt Browning, you know, he's like four-time world champion and never make it at the Olympics. It's something weird that's, you know... So yeah, can, you know, sometimes the pressure maybe is too high, is too strong. I don't know. There's something, but oh well. A lot of the Olympics is remembered for the personality, and there are a lot of gold medalists who people can't remember. You know, thirty. 40 years later, but, you know, your, the, the things that you, the choices that you made, um, hard as they were at the time, you know, have been remembered. So at the 1994 World Championships, you took the decision to, um, you know, not get on the podium um, after taking the silver medal. What is going through your head in that moment as a as a young person, and how do you look back at that moment now? Oh, uh, how do I look? Uh, well, same thing, you know. When it happened, it went so fast, and you know, I was, you know, as an athlete, you're ready, you're like a racing horse. You go, you're ready, you prepare yourself. You don't much have a life. You just go on a ring, uh, on on the ice. You perform. Hopefully, if you don't fall and you do everything good, okay, I think I did good, okay, good, are you happy? Uh, you know, I feel, 
you know, it's not a disappointment. So you excited your your teammates or your uh, uh, your national team, you know, president is happy because it's a good performance. So I think you say, okay, that's good. Okay, I did a good performance. That's everyone's happy. Your coach happy. And after when you see the result, you're like, what just happened? Why, why, why? So it's just more those things. I think it's more why. Thinking like, I don't get it, you know. And a lot of people say, I don't get it. Why? You know, and you keep turning to left to the right, asking the person next to you, why? And there's already no answers. And uh, yeah, and, and that's what happened. I think it was like, I don't get it. I kind of skate almost perfect, you know. Well, you know, as an athlete, it's never perfect, you know. Maybe somebody can say, but I know as an athlete, we always say, yeah, I could have done this better, I guess, or something. But at the time, I felt that I did everything that I could, you know, in my performance. And uh, obviously, Yuka Sato did the best she could, too. So after, it was like, you know, all depends on what the judges think. You know, it happens that we were in Japan. Yuka Sato is Japanese. Uh, a dad has a lot of influence because, you know, he's world champion. He's a huge, you know, famous in Japan or famous in figure skating. We know him. Yuka Sato is a great skater. She, uh, But at this point, we're like, okay, well, she did good. We're in Japan. And usually, you know, it's like when you go compete in Russia, it's hard to beat a, you know, a Russian in his own country. You know, it's almost impossible. I know. So, you know, usually Russian leads and finish on the top. Well, same thing in, like, look at in Sochi, you know, a bunch of Russians were on the top of the podiums. <laughs> so, yeah, in Japan, it just happened. And, uh, and yes, our sport is so hard because we don't have a timer. We don't have the chrono. We don't have a thing where it say, hey, it's eight, two minutes and 30 seconds. That's it. You know, it's not like track and field. There is somebody, you know, and press the timer and press when you arrive at the landing arrival lane. And say you did or you didn't. In skating, it's all about if somebody like you or not. Well, you know, if there's many judges, you in favor, it helps you. If you're not, well, you know, you prove it on your own. So it's pretty much what happened. So it's nothing against you, Kasato. She was a great skater. She did a job. I did my job. That's it. And it's not being a bad player. It's just like at this point, it happened many times. And our sport is really, really, really hard. And uh, it's never 100% fair because uh, it's hard to satisfy eight judges. And, you know, and you just need one more to give you extra point to, to get a title. Well, if you're not in favor, well, I guess you lose it. And it just happened. When I look back and I look at the different, you know, as you progressed up to that moment, you know, you changed a lot of different, you changed your look a lot, you know, and it was definitely more, or at least I, it seemed like you changed your look to um, please the judges and what they were looking for at that time. I mean, uh, you know, if when you're smart and you try to figure it out and want to improve and change, somehow you need to figure it out what to change to make it better and ch challenge yourself. And, and I'm like, I know I have lots 
of me that uh, it can be better and I tried to improve. I went to see many choreographer, Russian, American, Canadian. I mean, I try everything, you know, but, you know, in a, in a reason because I wouldn't spend like $9,000 for choreography. But still, I had some really nice choreographer who really worked with me and were very confident and say, hey, I think with that choreography, that program, you should be able to be on a top now. So I felt confidence and we practice in, a, in, a, in that good directions for months. And... Uh, and it is what it is, but you know, I try. You know, some people like to to stay on their style or have somehow a personality, and they keep that style for the rest of their life. And I'm like, I change it. I was, I'm enough. I have enough uh, uh, possibilities that I can change. You know, if you want me to skate something jazzy or something very classical or something like totally like a Broadway, I can do that. You know, I have the possibility and ability to do that because I like to change. I don't like to just be on, just have one style. And I can show that my skating ability can be diverse because due to the music, due to my personality, due to my uh, upbringing and my open mind. You know, because sometimes you see skaters, all their life you see them skating. So they give you the whole, you know, um, all classical from Rachmaninoff to Bach and blah, 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 the whole thing for like five, seven years, you hear classical, 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 classical. I'm like, no, actually I can. I can either skate you know, on Vivaldi or I, skate, I can skate on something jazzy or I can skate on something tribal or something like a, a soundtrack or something. It all depends on the choreography if it's, uh, you know, it's well done, but I have all those style in me and characters that I can change like a, uh, like an actor that, you know, once you do a movie and you, if you're a good actor, you can play many roles. And I think it's uh, what was my thing in skating. Even when I turn professional, I have different style. I show many style of myself and I think it's, uh, I think it helps for my sport and it helps for myself and for the people who know me because I'll, only it's not just one one Surya. You see Surya in many different ways. Do you think? I mean, I think the world has changed um, in the past twelve months, but especially over the past six months, when you look at the protests that are happening across America uh, in the Black Lives Matter movement, there are things that you know can't be said online now um, without people uh, correct, correcting them. I mean, do you look back and think, you know, with the prism of, of, of now and think there was an element of discrimination when it came to, to you and the things that you were doing? I think, yes, it is for sure. You know, with time, with a uh, year went by, uh, now people are more modern, open minds, they, they are more educated, and they realize that something, you know, slightly off, or really bad, uh, off, uh, awful, uh, off. And yeah, and some people now, they like, we cannot, we cannot accept. Then before, they, we have no choice, we have to accept and just shut up. And, and that's it, because people don't want to, to be offending somebody, or because they felt that is should be normal, but you can't say anything. And I'm like, no, you should be able to speak up as long, you know, in reasons 
And so long we don't you know hurt anyone physically and and mentally. And I think uh, people now, because of the TV, the technology, everything is on right away. So it has to be fair. It has to be right for everyone, whether you're an athlete or just a normal person walking in the streets. And yeah, and I think it's important that people do that. Sad that, you know, it took so many years because so many people, I'm sure, suffer much more than me. I didn't suffer physically. I mean, I kind of felt something maybe was off, but I couldn't say somebody did it really intentionally to me. So I was okay. And being adopted uh, by white parents, you know, I never had people just hate me because I was black because, you know, obviously I have white parents and the white couldn't do something bad to black because, you know, they had me, black little girl, raised, uh, you know, raised by... So, you know, people never been mean or rude on the both ways. So, yeah, I went to many countries and no one ever, you know, been mean or rude to me on ice and, you know, did something really bad while I was skating or something. So that is a big thing and I'm really appreciative about it. And, uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I was lucky in a way. And, uh, and yeah, and sport is all about, you know, Performing, the thing is performing and be happy to perform and welcome somebody's here to, you know, shoot a ball when you're a basket, basketball player or, or throw a triple or quadruple. And that's it. It's all about judging your performance. And that's it. I think, although no one said anything to your face, I think in the new world that we live in now, that's not enough. You know, like, I think that people actually will look back and say, well, she didn't end up with her gold medal and why not? You know, and there'll be an exploration or there should, you know, you will obviously can't go back in time and change what happened in the past. And good for you for, um, letting go and being at peace with those moments, you know? Um, but I think as a third party, I think people will look back at that story and say, hmm, something, maybe, maybe something wasn't right there, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people will come up with that, uh, you know, idea. And I think that probably, you know, if I want to be really realistic, and right, maybe, yes, if I would have been white, maybe I would have had my title long ago, you know, but who knows, you know, I felt that, you know, being of a person of colors felt like, you know, it was unusual. It was nice. People recognize me. I guess a picture, you see me very fast, you know, where am I <laughs> right away, right here in a group, you know, where am I? But no, I think, uh, I think it's more like a... Uh, uh, more like people, like I realize when I watch some uh, on YouTube, I hear some comments and that's kind of, that's kind of deranged me or kind of disturbed me sometimes. Back in the days, it was easy to say, oh, that black girl is stepping on the ice, so it's black. I'm like, okay, or, you know, you go to the ring, say, oh, do you know this black girl over there? Uh, we don't say, oh, do you know that white one over there? Who is it? It's normal for you guys because you're white, but for black is why we have to have, we have a name. We have, uh, you know, so now in these days, you're not allowed to say that. I guess back in the days, it was easy to say, just be cruel if you had to, because you want to explain or whatever. So it's kind of odd, but 
thanks God, the life is changing. And I hope for the new generation, it will be easier and more people will com more comprehend and feel more open mind because it's all about education and, and be a bit more warm in your heart and your soul. There was a, a YouTube comment that I saw that was very kind, just to say you don't worry about it, that uh, judges never saw her as a nice princess, but she never gave up and she showed them what she was instead, the queen. <laughs> I thought that was a really nice yeah. way of putting yeah. things. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think as an athlete, we should have, I mean, even as a regular human being, we should all be ourselves. We should not look like, you know, somebody else, you know, and suddenly in skating, skating image that all girls supposed to look like Sonia Haney. That was a skating image, Sonia Haney or Katarina Ravit. Well, no one is like her. No one's like Katarina, like a diva, a big lady, tall with, you know, with uh, poses and uh, and a big uh, breasts and hips and uh, feel like a woman that, you know, everybody back in the 80s love and dream and we're like, almost like, you know, drawing all the men were like, oh, Katarina, she's like a woman. Okay, well, that was Katarina, you know, after that, no one been look, look like ever, look like her ever, even though he was a skating, you know, back in the days, 80s, it was fantastic. Well, everyone looked different and uh, you should appreciate everyone, everyone's difference and uh, make it better. And um, yeah, I think it is. And look at now these days, there's all like little cutie little one on the ice performing as a 14 years, 14 years old. You know, it's all about uh, your performance. Who's going to do the most quad now? We don't care about, you know, the cutie or the woman. All I guess is they don't look like women. They look like, you know, babies who just got off from their bed and just jump and say, hey, I want to be a skater. And, you know, by 10 years old, I need to do a quad. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. But I guess it's all about different generation, acceptance, and uh, and sport is all about challenge. Uh, be the best, uh, best for yourself, and uh, and be a fair play, and uh, yeah, and who's the best win? That's it. Simone Biles, I know you have a gymnastics background, and you you've you've talked about gymnastics as well. Um, had a bit of an issue actually last year where. And it reminded me of you where she had a certain skill. Nobody else can do it. Simone was quite outspoken on on Twitter about it. You know, she had that ability to just, the news comes out and bang, she could react to it straight away. I wonder whether, you know, looking at that incident, you would have liked that opportunity with social media and, you know, what would advice would you give to Simone Biles to handle this situation, you know, in, in well, the future? Well, lucky that, you know, in these days we have this new technology. So, you know, we have social media. So something happened, you know, good or bad, it's on the media right away and it's like over the world. So people can get it. I think it's uh, it's sad that you know suddenly 
you do something amazing and you're not rewarded. I mean, everyone does that for many things. And I don't know why in some sports, you know, you're not allowed to be re rewarded and people are supposedly scared. I'm like, scared of what? You know, just give a 10. Obviously, you can go, to, we can give you 11 or 12. Sadly, there is, you know, it's supposed to be unlimited. Score supposed to be unlimited, not just try to say, oh, well, it was good. But anyway, oh, no, I only give a 9.5 because, just because. I'm like, give it all and be able to be free. It's like what I judged last year, this skating competition. And Alisa Liu and somebody else did an amazing program. And at this point, I don't know, we were allowed to judge until 10. We, you know, I got a funny thing to put 10.5 just for fun. Just kind of like, yes, it was beyond, beyond good, beyond amazing. Yes, go beyond too. And people were laughing at it, but I'm like, good, just why you just, because you have a score and you try to limit yourself. And it's sad because it doesn't encourage the athletes to do better. It's like you know, back in the days when I knew that I had an okay score or sometimes mediocre score because I tried to do a quadruple. After a while, I didn't want to do the quad anymore. I'm like, okay, hopefully it's not worth it. You know, and being an athlete is right to, it's mean, challenge yourself, go higher, do better beyond your expectation, do the most you can. Every year you're supposed to do better. Well, after a while, we all stagnant and everybody just end up doing triples. I'm like, how many years are we going to just do triple if we can do more? And, uh, and yes, after a while, I stopped doing triple XL because I say, well, what? If I try triple XL, they're not going to like it. Or if I try quadruple and I really try hard to do a quad cell or quad to my programs, they're going to uh, give me another bad score. So I I was kind of like, you know, I guess let's try to stay pretty and make sure that I do a nice program, you know, clean program and hopefully it's good enough. But I'm like, it's not in the mind of an athlete, you know, in gymnastics or track and field. It's all about going much faster or, yeah, and faster and bigger and jump higher and that's it. And, uh, and thanks God now we have this Russian try to do a bunch of quadruple and a new program now. Before it was not enough to do one. Now they all want to do all quad, and it's like it's almost too much. But it's like, hey, this is sports, and uh, while you can, while you're able to do it, while your body is still tiny and light, why not do it? You know, I know a lot of people can feel like a little bit like a uh, little bit discouraged because like, yeah, she's only 14 years old and she's doing all quad. I can't do it. I'm like, well. She had the power of doing it. She's smart enough and she felt that, you know, if she can, why don't she do it now? She's not going to wait. She's 20 years old. Obviously, 20 years old, your body changes, you're getting bigger, you're slower. All that things matters. And uh, yes, they're smart to do quadruple while they can. I mean, I know it takes a lot of toll on your body and it can be very painful, but do it and uh, be you know and people should appreciate and give a big fat score and say yes we give you the best the top of the top because it is indeed amazing and and special so well my final question would be if there's someone out there even maybe if it's not about sport that's trying to push the envelope but is being told no what would be your advice to that person you know why didn't you give up i don't know why a lot of people through my life, say, no, you can't, don't do that. 
well, let's you know, I, I will, I'm going to do that. So I think it's important to follow what you think is good for you. And even it's hard, if it's hard, you know, there's a lot of barrier, lots of things to go through. I think it's good to go and continue the most you can and follow your, your passion, your passions and uh, your dream and, uh, and what, do what you, you like or what you love. And uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's been such an honor to speak to you and uh, spend some time with you. So, you know, thank you so much for um, being so honest and, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. And I think it was great to, you know, to talk about all those great memories and yeah. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Wow, what a woman. Go and follow her on Instagram as Surya Benali one I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and we are Olympic Channel across all social media. We've done loads of great figure skating podcasts in the past, so go and have a look through our feed if you are thirsty for more. Last week, we looked at that age-old push and pull between artistry and athleticism. We had Olympic medalist Adam Rippon and also recent Skate America winner Mariah Bell important because um you know it's figure skating it's not just figure jumping and there's this whole other side of our sport that we're so fortunate to have because not all sports have this opportunity to be so creative and artistic and and tell a story and maybe even be so passionate about movement okay that is it for now though stay safe stay stronger together and see you very soon think like an Olympian. Olympian.